You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street, horror for the casually obsessed. I'm John. I'm Kim. And we're here today to close out our Mel Brooks double feature of modern monster movies. We've been talking about the Universal Classic Monsters over on Patreon. Uh, We're going through damn near the entire franchise. Don't say that. That's not true. No, but we've been uh, (laughs) hand selecting sort of our favorites and movies that we think sort of encapsulate the Universal Classic Monsters as a whole. We've been pairing each monster with some modern movies, and we, uh, we thought we'd bring that over into the regular podcast feed. Last week, we talked about... Uh, young Frankenstein, and today we're following it up with another Mel Brooks movie. This time he's shifting gears from Frankenstein, moving over into Dracula. We're here to goof around and celebrate Dracula dead and loving it. This was a first time watch for me. I did not see this growing up. It, you know, I, I, there are definitely clips I saw. I saw Leslie Nielsen as a bat. I saw him as Dracula with yeah. the big bouffant hair, taking the bouffant hair off like a hat. Fucking loved it. <laughs> yeah. But I was very surprised in watching this how it's not just a goofball comedy. It's a full movie. Yeah, it's a it's a straight Dracula. Like, you could present this to someone as, here, here's a interpretation of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, this is if I was a teacher and I was teaching, you know, Dracula and we were going to do, you know, a video day on Friday. Uh-huh. This is the Dracula I would show. I think you'd have to have a very cool school <laughs> to allow you to show this movie. If it was a high school, there's just some bosoms. Uh, so for for anybody who hasn't seen Dracula Dead and Loving It, uh, a few good things about it, reasons why we think you should check it out. Like, obviously, it's a Dracula movie. It's a fucking horror comedy. You're going to love it. But here, here are just some of the highlights, right? Number one, Dracula slips on some bat poop and falls down a flight of stairs. It's, you know, I, I normally don't laugh at such stupid jokes, but it was the falling down the stairs that got me. Like it. Oh, if he just slipped on bat poop, you'd be like, okay, fine. Well, yeah. and also Dracula's such this like debonair, suave dude. Exactly. And that staircase in Dracula, which they replicated, is iconic. Yeah. It is such a tall staircase. And just to see Dracula fully lose his composure and fall down those stairs in particular, so funny. It's brilliant because every time we watch the 1931 Dracula with Bethel Lugosi, I'm just like, hey, yeah, I'd fall down that staircase. There's no railing. Yeah, it's completely unsafe. Clearly he's unhuman. Yeah. Uh, good thing number two. What do you got there, Kim? I want to go with the dance sequences. Plural. Sequences. Yeah. Performed uh, by Leslie Nielsen himself, the, I think. Uh, definitely <laughs> definitely not wide shots with a stunt dancer at all. S- several stunt dancers. Yeah, this is uh, a romance true and through. And it's a period romance at that. So the fact that they really lean into it and we get some extended sequences where it's just flourish and flair, I fucking love it. I love seeing Dracula in his element. And of course, he's going to be an acrobatic dancer. It's funny in, you know, 
a classy kind of way. You're not laughing at anyone. It's just a funny scenario. Yeah, no, it's it's a hilarious movie across the board. That dance sequence especially is is hilarious. Uh, and if I could bring up another dumb, funny joke bit in the movie that I think is perfectly built for horror fans, it has one of the funniest and bloodiest vampire deaths in all of horror cinema. I'm just going to say it right now. I don't think vampire deaths are usually very bloody. But you, now that you mention it, they fucking should be. Because you right? know when you squish a mosquito right after it's <laughs> yeah. eaten, you're like, ah, fuck, that's my blood. And it's that's all my over my gore. shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you, you stake a vampire in a vampire movie, and it's just like, ugh, I'm all dust inside. This is a full they true. They geyser. are all dust inside. Yeah. Yeah, they wouldn't be dust. I mean, you can make. The I mean, they might be dust. That's why they need the blood because they're all dust. <laughs> yeah, those and I, I, you know, again, like like Young Frankenstein, like so many movies, we talk about demons. Uh, you know, that that's just three of a thousand good things about this movie. It's a uh, it's a laugh out loud riot from start to finish. And if like Kim, you have not yet seen this, and you, like you're a a big Dracula vampire person, it is really really made for you. If you want a good laugh this weekend, you gotta check out Dracula Dead and Loving. This is the frightening and shocking tale of Count Dracula. Vampires do exist. This one we face is unlike any other. He can change the most innocent of humans. But you see, I'm British. So are these. <laughs> Women are rendered powerless under his spell. Stand up. Not you. Sit. You stand. No, sit. No, stand. Now, walk to the terrace door. Watch out! His evil desire has no end. She's alive? She's not... She's Italian? Up there! Make no mistake, he must be stopped. Leslie Nielsen, Peter McNichol, Stephen Weber, Amy Yazbeck, Lizette Anthony, Harvey Corman, and Mel Brooks. If she dies, a victim of this unspeakable creature, she will become one herself. What? She will become one herself. Dracula, dead and loving it. Ah, it's good to be dead. <laughs> Dracula, dead and loving it from 1995 is currently sitting at a 5.8 out of 10 on IMDb and 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. A l- no, oh boy, if there's one genre that gets hit harder than horror, especially by critics, it's comedy. Holy fuck. Uh, and a 2.7 Parody out of 5. Parody especially. On Letterboxd. I mean, at the time, this movie, not a big success. Cost $30 million. Which made is 
10.7. Insane. Like, just looking at these these stats, is it because it came out in 1995? Because it's so fresh off the heels of Dracula? Is everybody just sick of Dracula? That seems like the perfect time to do it. I mean, the, the one-to-one comparison for that would be Scream and Scary Movie. That's what I was thinking, because Scary Movie, like, was the Scary Movies were coming out as the Scream movies were still coming out. Yeah, like, there were a few years between the the. No, I don't even know. Like, they were, like, right on the heels of each other. Similar to this. I think it's... It came out at the absolute right time. Because if it's if you're not, like, a big f- person who's familiar with Dracula, if you're not a horror person, it, I, you know, I think everybody saw Bram Stoker's Dracula in 92. I think it honestly... It must have been a marketing issue because... As much as this is a comedy, I would say it is 60% a Dracula movie, 40% a comedy. Mm. It is more Dracula movie than it is parody movie, which I think is different for Mel Brooks and is different for Leslie Nielsen. I'm surprised at how, not unfunny, but how uncomedic at times this movie is for being a Leslie Nielsen film. Oh, that's interesting. His stuff is usually a lot more... I don't want to say stupid, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> But this movie's stupid, too, No, though. but not stupid, but, like, silly. Yeah, silly. Man, that is the, that is the thing people like it can't is handle. It's is scary and silly. Silly all the time. Yeah. And this isn't silly all the time. And maybe it was just a, a misunderstanding between the audience and uh, what the film is. Like, maybe they weren't expecting, like, oh, I, I'm watching historic literature. <laughs> So so people some they don some fake over the top British accents and that's too much. I find that hard to believe. I honestly think that's why their the bosoms are so prevalent because they're trying to distract you from the fact that like no, we're giving you Bram Stoker at his best. <laughs> it's interesting when you say that because I think of Young Frankenstein, well I mean I think of Dracula Dead and Loving It as a 50-50. I think of Young Frankenstein the same. Like Young I think Frankenstein it's... even I would say is 60-40. Like 60% Frankenstein, 40% comedy. And as a person who's got a horror podcast, I'm for it. Like, I've got zero complaints about No, obviously. That. Yeah, I'm just like, woo, Dracula, give me more. Yeah. But for an audience that is like, yeah, I'm I'm not huge into Dracula, but I know the story enough that I'll, I'll be able to laugh at this. And then they were like, oh, this is- There are some deep cuts. There's so much Dracula in this. There's, there's <laughs> some deep cut Dracula jokes- but nothing that I don't think anybody who watched the Academy Award nominated Dracula movie from a few years ago yeah. wouldn't understand. And especially at a time where people are really refreshed, like you would capitalize on people who aren't necessarily huge horror fans that saw Dracula because it's a Francis Ford Coppola movie mm-hmm. and are are still aware of the story. Like it's still fresh in their minds. They haven't completely forgotten it. I don't know if you could go as obscure with your parody of Dracula if a Dracula film hadn't have come out a few years before. That's that's true, and I think that's to I think that's to this movie's credit because frankly, Frankensteinly, <laughs> Frankensteinly, I, I I do think that this movie is like such a great Frankenstein adaptation. You mean like, Dracula? I think this movie is such a great <laughs> Dracula adaptation. Yeah, like I, you know, you said that you would present this to a high school. I think this is the right. I think this is the right entry point if you're trying to show somebody Dracula because Bram Stoker's Dracula, the 92 Dracula, (laughs) might be a little stuffy, might be like, oh, there's too many frills on these collared shirts and stuff. Don't you insult those frills. 
you like them, but like your average 17 year old's not gonna. What are you talking about? That's when we're at our most goth. (laughs) Okay, well, all I'm saying is the Elizabethan (laughs) stuff might be too much for some people. And at least this one, it takes the piss out of it, you know? Like it laughs at the the, the hysterical nature of it, the the repressed sexuality, the the pageantry, the, I don't know, just like all the annoying stuff of that time period. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as you start to roll your eyes at the original Dracula. At least the movie's also doing the same thing. Like, I know, right? This is fucking stupid, these people over here. And I might be a little biased because I definitely grew up with this movie. I watched this movie when it came out on video. I would have been seven. This really explains your sense of humor a lot. Yeah? I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, I loved Les- Leslie Nielsen growing up. I don't know if this was the first one that I watched, but yeah, like, Airplane's I lo- Funny, I, the Naked I love- Gun movies. Well, I guess so, so I haven't seen any of those, but I love Ni- Leslie Nielsen, too. <laughs> He was my Mr. Magoo. I was a Mr. Magoo fan. Wow, that's uh, I bet the ratings on that movie are also in the toilet. I, I don't I, think people like the I Mr. Love Magoo Mr. movie. Magoo. <laughs> okay, well, uh, whether or not I've just imprinted on this movie because it came along at the time where I was sort of like delving into monsters and stuff. I think it's written by people who completely understand the Dracula story and the legacy of Dracula. Uh, obviously it's directed by a guy who loves monster movies like outside of directing young frankenstein he's also the producer of the fly and the elephant man you know i think everybody involved has a respect for dracula that you don't normally see in a horror parody like it's not just here to make fun of dracula it's here to maybe right some of the wrongs of the previous dracula stories which is so cool i mean you don't you're right in that you don't normally get that but you can actually see the level of care to the decadence of Dracula like I was mentioning that funny gag with the bat poop it only works because they replicated that stairwell yeah. in Dracula to perfection and when you see him he's still like austere like he's still a nobleman like I'm here for you to respect up oh, shit I felt <laughs> Leslie Nielsen is doing such a good Bella Lugosi impression yeah I am surprised at how good of a Dracula he is. He's almost playing it straight. And I think, well, I mean, like, that's Leslie Nielsen's, like, biggest quality is that it's it's like he's the straight man in a goofball situation. Like, he's in a cartoon, but he's a normal person. Yeah, like, he's always walking off a boat and the one that doesn't experience <laughs> gravity, but he, he has a completely straight face the entire time. Right. But he's always the one walking off the boat. So funny. He's incredible. I honestly think that's a a gag that's literally in Mr. Magoo. Oh, definitely, yeah. (laughs) Wow, we're really just talking about my childhood here, because I I definitely grew up watching the Mr. Magoo cartoons before the Mr. Magoo movie came out. I was born an old man, okay? Like, I watched Mel Brooks movies, and I watched Mr. Magoo, and at some point, I got a whole bunch of boobs thrown in my face with this movie. That's the fun part about rewatching this as an adult, like, doing the math on how old I was. Like, wow, this, (laughs) no wonder I loved this movie. (laughs) Every character in this movie, whether they are Lucy and Mina, whether they're just a a woman who's taking tickets and showing people to their seats at the opera, everybody's got cleavage in this movie. Yeah, and maybe that's, too, just a commentary on the difference between cinema, you know, 50, 60 years later, because... Dracula was notoriously prudish. Like, that's the difference between Dracula 1931 and Spanish Dracula Mm. is just how racy they were able to be with the costumes. And here we are in 1995, and it is like, boobs are up and out. Right? Oh, man, it is such... But I think it's also... 
it's talking about like the repressed sexuality of it all you know and as much as uh, dracula 1931's prudish dracula himself not really he's got three wives you know he's going after men he's going after women he's coming into their bedrooms at night and he's engulfing them with his fangs uh, (laughs) and, and, and his cape but i mean like he's like he's the monster who fucks you Dracula of all the monsters fucking fucks. Yeah, and, and but everybody around him is is like, oh, what about this? We can't be in her bedroom chambers well, after dark. And there's a there's a very coquettish way of being a victim of Dracula is you're always seduced and you're okay. always like put under a trance and you know like oh, yeah. there's a very I didn't want it. yes exactly <laughs> there's a very like Mina come to your window and open your door and there's a way of getting around the seduction and that like oh it wasn't me it was. It was totally well, I think That's also why you have to allow them into the house usually, right? Like it's your, you you invited them in. Yeah. You were asking is, for the, it. Look at Dracula getting consent. Like, yeah, right? <laughs> he seduces, but you do have to invite him in. Even in <laughs> even in a movie where you've got, uh, you've got a vampire like Colin Farrell's Jerry Dandridge, who is just a frat bro, still kind of getting consent. <laughs> kind of. The best scene that completely exemplifies all of that is when... Lucy has come back from the dead and she's trying to seduce Jonathan Harker. I love Lucy in this and I'm so incredible. And and maybe this is in part because of uh Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yes, yes, yes. That they really expand on the Lucy story because the 1931 Dracula, you get barely any Lucy. She drops yeah. like a dark ass poem and then is dead the next day. Yeah, I mean like we we get that cool like radio play in the middle of it where where Mina's explaining uh, relaying a dream she had that we're pretty fucking certain is real and true. Uh, and, and it's, it's like, hella spooky Lucy. Hella spooky Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in this, it's at Lucy's grave. And she's trying to get Jonathan Harker to just fucking give in and and sleep with her, basically. Which is where she's going to bite his neck and, and drink his blood. Uh, full seductress. Full seductress. And the best fucking gag about it. It's like, he's just, he's putting up a fight and I can't do this. I'm engaged. I'm British. And she just shoves her tits in his face and she's like, so are these. <laughs> that gag has been living rent free in my head <laughs> for twenty years. Oh, but I love when she's like, "But I'm undead," and and he's like, "But I'm not unengaged." Yeah, it's good. It's good. Stephen Weber as as Jonathan Harker, brilliant casting. It is a. It is. He does a great job because normally I think Jonathan Harker is kind of a wiener. Yeah, he's a wiener. He's a boring character. Uh, like even Keanu Reeves can't bring him to life. <laughs> That was a baby Keanu, though. Yeah. He was he was in large, large shoes, even for a lame character like Jonathan Harker. I do. I, yeah, the, the, you've heard all the stories about Keanu Reeves basically just being like, I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> like, this was, I don't even think I should be in this movie, which hurts. Uh, he's doing a totally fine job in it. But Steven, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I like him a lot. Maybe I'm just being respectful, but. No, we love Keanu, but. Not there. <laughs> Not that one time. Steven Weber, I think, does a brilliant job. Like, he's also just, like, got real great comedic timing. Like, if you just watch him in the background, he's he's not just doing nothing. Like, he's standing around. He's reacting. Like, all of his expressions and everything are huge and big, and he's actually hilarious in the movie. He has the most repressed sexual energy in the whole film. Yeah, he, he represents the whole country in the movie, right? It's hilarious. Yeah. It's also just fun to see him in a horror comedy because he's kind of like inadvertently become a horror guy. 
like yeah he's known for wings like being on the the sitcom wings mm-hmm. but which you uh but i mean he plays uh jack torrance in the tv miniseries for the shining mm-hmm. and has kind of become like the stephen king audiobook guy he's narrated quite a lot of stephen king audiobooks. <laughs> he's narrated quite a lot of our drives <laughs> yeah that's, that's true yeah like we we've heard him talk about talk to us about the losers club a lot but yeah he's he's killing it everybody in the movie's killing it my, my main man in the whole in the movie though is is peter mcnichol as renfield yeah you were so excited to show me this renfield you were like wait till you see this fucking guy Tr- truly and like, let me guess does he eat spiders and you're like oh boy does he i honestly gold standard renfield for me a very great Renfield. Yeah, like regard, like I'll, I'll put him up against Dwight Fry. I'll put him up against Tom Waits. He's giving a very good Dwight impression. Oh, he, even he's down, got that laugh. Even down to the hair. Yeah, the hair is very good. The casting in the whole movie is incredible, but Renfield especially is. I mean, Peter McNichol is that weird guy that you see pop up all the time. He always plays a weaselly character. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's always like a weaselly side guy or a bit of a wiener. And Renfield is the gold standard wiener. <laughs> yeah, and he's actually kind of got, now that I'm thinking about it, he's got experience in this role already because he's kind of the Renfield to the villain in Ghostbusters 2. Yeah? Whatever that guy's name is. I don't remember, like Zardon the Great or something. Count von Stinkalopoulos. Yeah, Mr. Spooky Painting. <laughs> And all your pink goo. Yeah, what's this? Anyway. Yeah, so he's he's basically Renfield in Ghostbusters 2 already, and he gets to go full Renfield in this. The the best sequence in the whole movie is when he's sitting down with Dr. Seward to be like, well, that's such a trifle to, I don't know why I'm here. Like, clearly I'm not an insane man. I mean, yes, I was on a boat where everyone was killed, but I'm, a, pff, I'm just British. And uh, he can't help but eat bugs the entire luncheon. Uh, and it's his, it's completely completely his downfall it's the funniest fucking thing in the world you're giving me a face like right now like you you didn't that's, love that scene that's my least favorite it's a it's a decent scene but it's my oh. least favorite of the renfield moments my favorite <sighs> moments are just when he is silently reacting to things and just the second guessing like you can see a lot of he acts the character's thoughts really well mm. and kind of the anxiety and the inner fighting he has between who he was before he was this sidekick to Dracula and then also, you know, serving his master. There is a lot of funny moments where he's just silently second guessing himself in the back and I love that. Yeah, he's he's really embodied this character. Honestly, I thought you were going to, like, when you said that your favorite scenes of him were when he's just doing stuff in the background, I thought it was, I thought you were going to say it's when the brides, when Dracula's brides come to seduce him in the castle at the beginning of the movie. And he's like, no, I can't. It's, it's wrong. It's immoral. Oh, it's, oh, wrong me. <laughs> like, he just starts like, he, he really goes for it at some point. The brides also have one of my favorite gags in the movie because, like, classic bride style they come floating into the room with eerie music and as they're leaving and floating out dracula's like can you fucking stop that and then they just like oh and then they <laughs> fall down and shuffle out of the out of the scene man this is always the problem with, with comedy movies it's it's hard to talk about sight gags on a audio podcast like young frankenstein like they're They're making gags out of the scenery. They're making gags out of these characters and about, you know, all the interpretations you've seen of them. 
Uh, Dracula's Shadow especially is another great one. Like, it's got a life of its own, but it's it's almost like it's sort of like Peter Pan's ghost. Like, it's yeah. like he's like, what the fuck? Can you get back here? Stop doing your own thing. Like, be my shadow, man. And it also seems to be like the, the entity that takes the injury of him falling down the stairs. Like, Dracula pops back up. He's like, I'm fine. I'm Dracula. But the, the shadow itself is like, oh, fuck. Oh, God. <laughs> trying to go back up. Yeah, and that's where the movie really blends the 1990s Dracula with the 30s Dracula because, you know, you have glimpses of the hairstyle that Dracula has in Bram Stoker, or in Francis Ford Coppola's. <laughs> Is that the first time that we see that big? I think so. Interesting. Yeah, and like the the ringlets. We don't get ringlets in this, which is unfortunate. I would have liked to see Leslie Nielsen do his best Weird Al hairdo. Oh, yeah. Um, he does have a daytime sequence. Turns out to be a day mare uh, <laughs> where he starts burning up. But uh, but yeah. One thing that we, we kind of touched on, but we didn't really expand, is how we were talking about this as a Dracula interpretation and how it kind of expands on the things in the 1930s one that us watching it were kind of like, ooh, they they could go more here. Like we talked, we mentioned the Lucy mm. scenario, but I also really enjoy how they update Van Helsing a little bit to be Hell more yeah. in line with the modern interpretation of vampires. Like instead of it being Wolfsbane, they switch it to garlic, which makes so much more sense. You know, in the modern vampire lore, lore, we are more accustomed to garlic for vampires, Wolfsbane for werewolves. Yeah. So it makes more sense in a, in a modern world. And the discovery of Dracula as a vampire comes later in the story than it does in the original 1931 Dracula. Because if you knew he was a vampire, why would you let him hang around for so long? Exactly. And there's still a bit of mystery as to who is draining the girls. Yeah. So there, th- there's the other thing. Like, they give Renfield something to do here other than just being a bro for Dracula. Yeah. Like, he actually he has to actually be the helper on the inside mm-hmm. a little bit better, I think, than in the original films. Like, yeah. they improve on that. Yeah. Well, even just for the side with Dr. Seward and Van Helsing and Jonathan Harker, they're like, well, we don't we don't know who's responsible for this. Like, everybody seems to think it's Dracula because he moved in very recently and he's all weird and Romanian and stuff. But there's also this other creepy Renfield guy who showed up on a boat where a whole bunch of people were dead and drained of blood. So they, they hold a masquerade and they invite Dracula and Renfield to show up. Yes, great excuse for the wonderful dance sequence, but also a great use of the Dracula mirror reveal. Hell yeah. Because, yeah, look, the whole idea being that, you know, you uh, obviously vampire does not cast a reflection. Um, so while everybody's dancing, they just, like, pull down a, a curtain that's been hiding a, a full-length mirror this whole time. And they use that to sort of figure out who's not casting a reflection. Yeah, and Mina, who's his dancing partner, is flying around in the mirror like a paper airplane because you can't see Dracula. And it's, one, it's it's a terrific Dracula gag but it's also like hilarious yeah because I just love the idea that like everybody clear everybody in the room this entire party is like wait a minute that fucking guy isn't casting a shadow in the goddamn mirror but he doesn't notice the mirror like neither does Mina by the way they're like we're blowing them away yeah they're (laughs) fucking loving this let's give them a show (laughs) man so funny uh we haven't even talked about mel brooks as van helsing what are your thoughts on mel brooks as van helsing he's a lot less annoying than van helsing usually is which is so surprising because he's like cut intermittently with a lot of stupid mel brooks humor so you think he would be more annoying van helsing but he's actually a really straight 
shooter Van Helsing. Yeah, yeah. Like with the exception of like one or two gags, you could literally put him in any Dracula movie and he'd be a perfect Van Helsing. Yeah, and I feel like this Van Helsing, he doesn't jump to conclusions in the same way they do previously. Like they look like they're really looking to put Van Helsing versus Dracula very early on in the 1931 film. Mm -hmm. But in this one, he's more of a doctor trying to get to the bottom of whether this is supernatural or not. And he's erring on the side of we're going to assume this is supernatural just for as a defense, but we're going to try to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess in the 1931 Dracula, it's supposed to be like, well, both these guys are European, so clearly they know each other. Like that's because that's the idea. It's like uh, Van Helsing is just sort of a sort of a undetermined Eastern European accent, and Dracula's like, oh, well, I know about you, and I guess Van Helsing's like, well, I I know about you also. Like their reputations precede them. I so, mean, they do have the swear off in this, which is pretty hilarious. Yeah, they're they're constantly trying to. It's a it's like a movie's long fight where they're trying to get the last word, and they're fighting in Transylvanian, right? Or Romanian. Yeah, which is funny because their relationship is really weird and petty in that sense. That the like it's a long-standing battle, but you're like, you guys just met and just accused each other of being your nemesis. Yeah. Oh, which is it just kind of like pokes fun at all the Dracula movies you've seen and about how absurd it is sometimes when they come to those conclusions. That's the same scene where Van Helsing is talking about how uh, oh a Dracula character is relentless. He'll stop at nothing to get you, even if it was an argument he has to have the last word <gasps> wait a minute have the last word and like that's what leads him to think that dracula is the vampire hilarious because like, he's also the same way <laughs> yeah but it's 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 about it's got about just as much science behind it as almost any other van helsing moment in any dracula movie right um in terms of sequences i do want to mention just for no reason in particular maybe i'm just gonna say this is my favorite moment of the film is uh -huh. the finale and again, an improvement on the original film because Dracula just like, he's like, ah, the sun is coming up, fuck. Mm -hmm. And he goes back to his abbey or whatever. Yeah. And in this one, he's smart. He's smart enough to realize that when he takes Mina, they're going to try to follow him. Yeah. And so he creates a detour in moving his coffin because he has to sleep in his uh, dirt, special dirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is such a great Dracula tidbit i love, love that lore that's pretty, maybe my favorite thing is that dracula has to sleep in his home dirt like, it seems, oh, like, to, it seems like a loophole never, in the contract though <laughs> that he can bring the dirt he never does an away game he's always a home boy <laughs> he's, he's got the home field advantage <laughs> true uh but so he moves his coffin to some abandoned church some church ruins because he knows that they're going to go look for him at What's the Abbey called? I can't Carfax remember. Abbey. Carfax Abbey. Which is smart because in the finale of the original Dracula, you're like, he he can't win here. The sun is up. They know exactly where his coffin is. They're just going to open it up and stab him while he's sleeping. Mm -hmm. Dracula is kind of a step ahead in this one. But again, stupid, silly Renfield leads them right there. I love when he tries to uh, lose them yeah, 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 when yeah, they're yeah, chasing yeah. after him. He really runs just in a full square and is like, there. Yeah, lost him. <laughs> um. But the gag is when uh, when they do kill Dracula, it isn't that Dracula has gone to sleep and he's completely, you know, vulnerable to the stake. He's fighting them and then the sun has come up and Van Helsing starts revealing sunlight one board at a time. Yeah. Dracula turns into a bat, which is my my favorite form of Dracula in this. A bat with Leslie Nielsen's head. So funny. So fucking good. Like, and like flies into windows and shit. It's hysterical. It's so good. But Renfield is the one that actually kills him because he creates 
this escape route in the ceiling and lifts the roof hatch and that beam of light is what kills him. Yeah. And poor little Renfield in his sorrow and grief of having lost Dracula. His master. Is picking up his ashes and putting them in the coffin and then he draws a smiley <laughs> face in it. I died. Favorite moment of the movie. It's incredible. I don't know if we expanded much on the, the, the bloodiest vampire death. That's probably my favorite sequence of the movie. And a lot of it comes down to, one, seeing Steven Weber stake Lucy in the heart and just getting fucking pummeled with fake blood. Just like a cannon of blood shooting up at him. But it's it's Mel Brooks who has has kind of gone for cover behind like another tomb. and But coming out occasionally to be like, nah, she's not quite dead yet. You might have to hit her another time. It's, oh, it's, it's so brilliant. Well, and two, there's something next level and fourth wall breaking about that joke because you know how just awful it is for the actor. Yeah. And the fact that Mel Bro- Brooks, who's also directing the director. It, is like, Gotta, gotta do, do it, it again. one more time. <laughs> yeah, we didn't quite get that one. We're gonna have to do this another time. Yeah, and you're just this is great. This is this was probably a fun day on set for some people. Yeah, I mean the movie's loaded with crazy, fun, goofy shit like that. Like even the Dr. Seward, the psycho the psychiatrist who insists on giving everyone enemas. See, and I love that joke because back then medicine was like a fucking shit show. They didn't know a goddamn thing. They didn't know anything. No, they were just like you just rub a snake on your wrist and then spit in your shoe and you'll be fine tomorrow. Plague gone. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's it's a it's a great goofball comedy and I think a a awesome Dracula movie like beyond being a hilarious uh sort of clash of titans between Leslie Nielsen spoof movie god and and Mel Brooks the man who practically invented the spoof comedy uh coming together to make a Dracula movie that is like loving and also you know not afraid to poke fun at all of the the goofiest silliest dumbest stuff about the Dracula story Mm -hmm. the one thing I really appreciate and I'm learning about the Mel Brooks comedies is that they never punch down at their source material. Oh, never. They're always punching up. They're always holding them on a pedestal. And and it's for the people that love that content to laugh with it. Like, you're laughing with Frankenstein. You're laughing with Dracula. Yeah. Not the, necessarily the characters, but the story and the lore. You're like, oh, this is such a funny thing about this movie we love. Yeah, it's almost it's like observational humor almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the, the high anxiety we, we, we uh, watched recently. And as much as it's making fun of all of, like the, the tropey, silly, weird stuff, stuff of Alfred Hitchcock movies is kind of a celebration of Alfred Hitchcock movies. There's a dedication to Alfred Hitchcock in the beginning. Like, we're not making fun of you. We really like your stuff. Other than maybe the producers. Yeah, they're definitely punching down on Nazis and the producers. (laughs) That's maybe the one exception we could give. But also, it's just very daring and challenging. Yeah. Even today, it's, it's such a surprising movie in that you're like, this is crazy that this just exists and people love it. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, 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 he's he's a he, he is a really unique comedic talent, and uh, I love watching his movies because he's been he's been in enter to him and Carl Reiner especially like had been in like every era of Hollywood and TV, and you can kind of just like watch the history of the world, the history of the entertainment in the 20th century through their movies. So one thing we have to close out the episode with that we've been doing with the Universal Monsters watch through is we've been ranking the monsters or we've been assigning a characteristic to the mo- the main monsters of the film, uh, whether they are classy, sassy, sad or stinky. Mm-hmm. 
what do you think of Leslie Nielsen's Dracula? I, I guess he's classy. He's may, he's maybe uh, out of his depth a little bit. I don't know, but he's he's definitely still classy. As much as he's unaware of how silly he is, he's a classy man. Yeah, I'm trying to wonder if he leans more sassy than classy, because I think Bela Lugosi's Dracula is classy. Mm-hmm. It, a little sassy. Uh, maybe this one's more sassy. Much like- I'm thinking just in particular when he like when he's trying to hypnotize, they do a lot of really fun gags in the oh, hypnotizing yeah. realm. Like when he's <laughs> trying to hypnotize the opera attendant to go and pull Dr. Seward out of the opera box. Yes. And she fucks up and he's just like, God di-. Yeah, yeah. Or when he's trying to hypnotize Mina and her uh watchdog, I guess, the the nurse maid who's I been love that scene. So fucking good. And like he's 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 trying to differentiate who he's talking to, but he's like hypnotizing them both at the same time. Genius, genius sequence. It's just such such fun Dracula humor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, much like trying to find a classification for young Frankenstein. Like it's for these movies. Like we almost needed to add it a fifth. Like classy, sassy, sad, stinky, or uh, 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 horny. Like it's really, <laughs> these both of these movies very horny. And in this one too, I will say the the female characters get to be a lot sassier, mm. and they add that that seductress element that I think was missing in the prior um, Dracula films. Not the nineteen ninety two version; that one is very lusty and sassy. Yeah, but because of the kind of prudish nature of of the time period in which they came out, mm-hmm. I love a female vampire. So like, whenever you can kind of take these women where they're like. You know, in these prudish, I'm engaged to be engaged to be engaged, and I'm being courted by all of these boys who, you know, can't even hold my hand. Yeah. Uh, and then they become these like vamp vampiresses, and they're wearing all these flowing gowns and out at night, and their hair is down, and yeah. you just like fucking love it. <laughs> just like ladies' night. Yeah. Yes. I mean, hell, there's that's another gag in the movie we completely forgot where Jonathan Harker touches Mina and everybody's like you get out of my house now you've been engaged to my daughter for five years and you have the audacity to touch her <laughs> genius uh, absolute genius so Kim what's your what's your rating of Dracula Dead and Loving it? Uh, I am going to give it a 3.5 out of 4 I'm so happy to hear that there was a moment before we hit record on this where I, I thought maybe you weren't going to love this movie. No, I had a lot of fun with it. I don't know if it was as silly or like dumb as I was expecting. And like I say that in the most positive sense, like Uh I want it really silly and dumb. But I ended up really loving um, the expansion on the Dracula story and the interpretation of the Dracula story. Because especially us being so recent on it, the same with Young Frankenstein. There was more meat to the movie than I was expecting, and that was a pleasant surprise for me. And maybe also, too, why it was not a pleasant surprise for the original audience. That's possible. Which is why I think the rating is lower, because they're like, ah, this is this is actually just Dracula. <laughs> I think people are just always harder on horror movies and comedies, I think is what it comes down to. Those are just the critic ratings, right? Like, we didn't even look at necessarily what the audience... You know what? That's not true. I did look at the audience score uh, taken, poll, like a poll made at the time the movie came out. They gave it like a C, C plus, mm. which is which sucks. I think this is... Is this not also the same year that Dumb and Dumber came out? Is it? Yeah, comedy was just changing, right? Like, maybe everybody's like, oh, we don't want to hear old man jokes no more. Uh, even though Leslie Nielsen still got, like, ten great movies after this. Uh, but, yeah, I'm like a I'm like a 3.75 out of 4 in this one. I don't think it's perfect, but, like, I, I find it very hard to find things about it I don't like. It's incredible. And, yeah, has probably shaped my sense of humor just as much as 
say Dumb and Dumber or The Simpsons have. Uh, came in a very formative time in my life. I'm a straight Dumb and Dumber girl. <laughs> I also, uh, I think I was, I, I was telling you while we were watching it that the copy I owned because my mom worked at the video store when I was when I was a kid. Uh, the copy we owned was a promotional copy that was given to the V8 to the video store. So like every 20 minutes there'd be a big disclaimer, like a watermark that would come by, like this is a promotional copy of this film, and if you are watching this unauthorized, blah 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 blah. I love those kind of core memories because I bet every t- like as we were watching it, you were like, I think it popped up in this moment. Oh and yeah, I no, I had a, I had a few moment. moments like that. Yeah, <laughs> like this scene was definitely obstructed by that that warning. Yeah, like we all we've all grown up with burned CDs or cassette tapes that were just like fucked like up. Like this in one, one spot. scene is yeah. working. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but either way, that's that's just what we thought of Dracula Dead and loving it. We'd love to hear what you thought uh, of this goofball comedy. Hit us up on Twitter at nofs podcast or in the Nightmare on Film Street Discord at nofspodcast.com slash discord. We would love to talk to you about Mel Brooks and Leslie Nielsen and Dracula and whatever the fuck else you're watching right now. If you want to support the show, head over to nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub to join our exclusive membership page uh, on Patreon where you can get bonus episodes like the Universal Monsters series that we have been recording. Kim's got a fucking soundboard in this podcast series that's been driving me insane. Anytime I say something she doesn't like, she just like hits me up with like a groan or crickets or she literally closes a creaky door on me. We are living in the most gothic castle uh, in the audio sense. Yeah. Again, you can join the Fiend Club and get access to those episodes at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub. You can also support the show for free by giving us a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening to this uh, or just mentioning the show to a friend. Uh, we also have a street team we just started. If you are the type of person who goes to conventions or really weird, cool places where you know um, they're cool with you putting stickers on the wall, absolutely hit us up at nofspodcast.com slash street team like two t's like s-t-r-e-e-t-t-e-a-m and sign up there we'll send you we'll set you up with a boatload of stickers for free and uh you can just decorate your area to your fancy uh and it's absolutely free and it's a great way to uh share the show We'll be back again next Thursday with another regular episode of the podcast. If you can't wait that long, you know where to go to get some more bonus content. Uh, Until then, I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive, but we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends.